What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 96 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my dear friends, Mr. Andy Brown. Oh, wow. Dear friends, not ever present co-host yeah. and antagonist, so I can't be mean to you. Damn it! Yeah, no, I, I knew I knew that you had a shitty, low-effort water Pokemon joke just sitting in your back pocket. So we're just hey, going to barrel hey. through that and introduce my next friend, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hi, generic low-energy introduction. <laughs> and the only one who has a professional intro on this show, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. Is that professional? <laughs> I, I, uh, I didn't... I like it. It's... It's like a catchphrase, you know? Like, you do it the same way every single time. Like, if you're not on the show, I could easily just do exactly that cadence. It's like my argument for the Carlton dance. If you can hear it and know that it's a unique thing, yeah, that's pretty solid. Well, uh, then, in that case, if you do do it when I'm not on the show, I'll expect the check to be hitting my mailbox <laughs> several days later. Just wait until the Fortnite releases the, um... I don't know what it, well, I don't know what they would call it so that it was legally distinct. The Gene Gray fan emote. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so uh, oftentimes we kick off the show with what we're talking or what we're playing this week, but I am just so eager to get into the news this week that I guess that means it's time for the news. The news. The news. The news. The news. You guessed right, Andy. It is time for the news. Whoa! So, <laughs> uh, we got to kick things off right with the easily, e in a week where they revealed the eighth generation of Pokemon, this is the thing I was most excited to talk about this week. Last week, before the show, we may have mentioned it briefly on the air. Andy and I were just randomly talking, and then Sean came and joined in, because he's apparently a Monster Rancher fan too, about, like, where the hell is Monster Rancher? Why haven't we gotten that Monster Rancher reboot or, like, the definitive collection or something like that? And then guess what, you guys? Not nary a day later, they bring back the official Monster Rancher Twitter. Yo, and that's awesome. How many? See, how many times have I said something like this, and we've the week later, like you're 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 washing in my power so long now that you're gonna be able to just will these things into existence. In like, I've gained know. I've gained the power of the orcs from Warhammer, where if I believe in something hard enough, it comes to life. Exactly. I literally said last week. I'm pretty sure the only game series or genre left. For me, that needs like a spiritual successor slash reboot is Monster Rancher. And here we are. So, uh, Koei Tecmo opened up an official Monster Rancher Twitter account uh, like on the 20th anniversary of the PlayStation 1 title Monster oh. Rancher 2, which many, which, yeah, right? Mm. Which many intellectuals would say is the best one in the series. Um, or at least a hot contender. So. Uh, for those who don't know, Monster Rancher was like a, I think a lot of people would think of it as like a Pokemon ripoff because it's like you get a monster and you raise them, but it's very, very different in terms of its progression and, you know, that like the stakes are a little bit higher, you know, your monsters can die, they get old, they need to get retired, like the world felt a lot more like Pokemon did Gen 1 where there was a little bit more like grit and grime to the world and not in like an edgy kind of way, but just in a like... 
in a real world where you cockfight monsters, sometimes they're <laughs> going to die and bad things are going to happen, you know? So uh, they they dropped this new Twitter with no, like, news or anything like that. But there was a tweet that said, and granted, this is in Japanese, so loose translation. It said, please give us your support in the future. Well... So I'm here to throw my full weight behind behind this Monster Rancher account. You have my support, Koei Tecmo. And that's going to bring us into our random question of the week. Andy, Sean, as fellow Monster Rancher fans. Monster Fanchers. Monster Fanchers, yes, as we're called. That's a gross word. <laughs> what do you want to see out of a Monster Rancher reboot? Like, are you in a place where, like, you feel like the right move is for them to do, like, a HD collection, like a remaster of one of the classic games, or do you want to see them just come back with, like, a brand new title? This is tough because they have to get around the problem that disc-based gaming while certainly still a thing, not everybody does it. And so how do you deal with that? My thought when we talked about this last week off the air was that the game could read discs, but also could read digital data. So it could tell what games you have on your console and unlock monsters based on that. That could be cool. Um, In which case, you can really go any way. Those old Monster Rancher games, I feel like those are phenomenal games. And there's not anything that I can think of about them that... And I haven't played these games in in many years. But there's not anything that I can think of that just feels extremely outdated to the point where you couldn't play it right now and enjoy it. Um, That being said, I don't know that there's a need for a remaster necessarily... I think just a just a new game is the way to go. One that you know accommodates the new era and allows you to because you also have to make it compatible with new discs, right, and new new materials. Right. That's so. kind of a to me. That's what I think of as being the major roadblock for the for like a remaster is like you'd have to put in all new discs. You might as well just make a new game. Yeah. What do you think, Andy? Um, so it's been also forever since I played a Monster Rancher game. And I don't know how they make it work, but I trust them to just do a straight up, give me Monster Rancher 2 again, man. That game was good. I mean, it wouldn't be hard for them to do like a from the ground remaster like they did with like Spyro and Crash, you know, and like add in whatever the new trigger is to like access the monster library and stuff but, like, otherwise leave the games intact, I think that's definitely doable. Yeah. I guess for me, the question comes down to, like, what is the better strategy for Monster Rancher? Like, are they more likely to get people interested in it with a collection or with a new game, you know? And I feel like collections are great for nostalgia, but for something that's, like, this niche, it might just be better to do something new and try to, like, really wow people? I th- I think I want a new game, because I, I don't even remember which Monster Rancher I played, and I only played one of them. So, like, as cool as it is, it's like Pokemon caught my heart, you know? It's like not... I didn't play 
the series of Monster Rancher games, or however many there were. I wouldn't. <laughs> there's like there's several of them. There's like six good ones. Yeah, I wouldn't like mind a HD collection and stuff. It's, it's fun to go play games that you missed out on. But I think for something like this, that I've always felt were like it was really cool the little bit I did experience, and like. I think it's just time for them to make a new one. Honestly, like that—that that would get me to to get it more than the, than the old collection. Because even for that, it would kind of be like I kind of just want to go back and play the one I played. Um, if they had a new game, it's like who knows who knows what silly thing they could add to it. Or be, it's been twenty years, right? That's <laughs> in the since it started. So I mean, like I'm sure they got ideas I mean, floating yeah. around. Uh, the first one. Well, it's been 20 years since Monster Rancher 2, so it's actually been even longer. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there's a really good path forward for a new Monster Rancher game that can get around the issue of needing to put discs in the system, or like even like the thing that Sean suggested of like scanning data, where yeah. like in Monster Rancher 4 and Monster Rancher Evo, which was the last one that they made because it was not very good, um, Monster Rancher 4 was tight though. They both introduced, uh, like, an ex- exploration mechanic where you would, like, have your monster and you'd go into these caverns or whatever and, like, it was kind of like a roguelike where it'd be, like, explore as long as you can and, like, you know, if you go too far, your monster could die or, like, you know, something bad could happen. So, like, you want to be smart about your resources and backing out when it's time to back out and everything. Monster Rancher 3 had that, too. I- Did Monster Rancher 3 have that? Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, so Monster Rancher 3 had this, like... There was this big tree, and every the f- oh you you'd explore around your yeah, ranch, the first right? Of every month, you could like I do remember explore that. around your ranch, and you could only go a certain distance before you tired out. Your monster tired out. You had to go back. All that stuff. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and the big tree that was only like the first ranch. Like, I yeah. remember there was like eight different locales in that game. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, 4 was, like, more, like, dungeon crawly. Like, it was, like, because that was the one where you could raise, like, four or five monsters at a time. So you could, like, go out with your squad and be, like, oh, I'm going to ride on my, my tiger and, like, you know, like, go look for items or try to find new stuff. And I feel like if they made that a more central mechanic, they could have it just be, like, you go and, like, search for mystery discs to get new monsters rather than going for, like, the whole... And granted, that was, like, a big part of the novelty of the game back then, but, like, I just don't know that that works as much anymore. And, like, having it be a more in-game thing of, like, go and find the mystery discs so you can unlock a new species of monster or whatever, like, seems like something they could easily have it pivot to, you know? Okay, so you've gotten all of the, like, things you'd want out of a good game. Do you want my sad prediction of what actually happens here? I have an idea on that, too, and... Let's see, Andy. I'm ready. What, Andy? You just have to dash my dreams? I'm not here to dash dreams. I'm just here to honestly suggest it's going to be a mobile game where you scan barcodes and QR yeah. codes for your yeah. monsters. No! Oh, they already made one of those, and no! Yeah. No, no, no! You want the disk system? You want to get monsters? QR codes work. Guess where those work better? Mobile no! <laughs> You're bummed. I don't want a mobile game. I yeah, don't I know want you don't want it, game. but, you know. Like they gave this yeah. series the kiss of death already. They made an MMO, and then they made a mobile game. It's time for a reboot, and it's got to be a real wait, console game, wait, guys. there's an MMO? There was. It's, I it don't was think like it light. exists anymore. But it was... 
It was like a it was a pretty substantial MMO, but it was only available in South Korea. Wow, that hurts. I literally, Sean, you have no idea. For like years, I tried to figure out how to like, because there were ways to play it in America, but you needed to like set up a fake PO box in at South Korea and then get a translating hack and all this wild stuff to make it work, and I just. Couldn't figure it out because I was like thirteen. Oh wow! There, listen. There are three games, three three franchises that my entire life, since I first heard about MMOs when I started with WoW, that I have wanted an MMO version of. And those three are Monster Rancher, Pokemon, and Digimon. <laughs> and the fact. That there at one time existed an MMO for one of those games, and I didn't play it or know about it. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I mean, if it's any consolation, I knew about it, and it felt like I was like a kid who was like in a bubble. You know, like I had like one of those like diseases where I can't go outside, and I'm just constantly looking out the window. Just like sad and all the the na- happy neighborhood kids playing in a magical world of monsters. That's sad, dude. Pete, like I live that world yeah. right this minute because there is a game called Gundam Battle Operation Two, and it's in Japan only. And it's like, why can't I smash mobile suits together? This is the game I've wanted forever, but no, I can't. And I sit here and I watch videos of it and I cry. So I understand. <laughs> a man can dream. A man can dream. Did you guys play? Monster Rancher Battle Card 2? I did. I did not. That game was the shit. That was such a good game. Was that on... Go ahead. Was that on PlayStation or was that Game Boy? Well, there there's a Game there's a Game Boy like version, but the one that I okay. played was on uh, PlayStation. And it is so sick because it takes the general concepts of Monster Rancher... And applies it to a card game. You can, you can get cards through uh, through discs. You can get like it has the month, the year system. Oh, so like every week, this? something different happens. People come knock at your door, talk to you. There's tournaments. There's all kinds of stuff you could do. But it's a card game. It is a card game, but it's a sick card game. I I, oh, I played this on the I PS1. I don't say that derisively. That's awesome. No, I I I remember playing this. I'm looking it up right you now. You played this? this I. Yeah, I played this because it was a card oh. game, and I I played card games, but like I still do. You yes. know, was, I, I'm looking at the footage of it now, and like I fucking forgot this was a Monster Rancher game first, because like I remember it as a card yeah, game. Yeah, it's amazing. Because I was a dumb okay. little kid. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I did play the bat, the one on PS One. I don't think I played the Game Boy Color. I didn't have a Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. So I had to have played it here, and I, I remember this the shit. F- because I played Warcraft 2. Monster Rancher Explorer? It's like, I've never played that. As dumb as this is, I was playing Warcraft 2 and Monster Rancher Battle Card Game on the PS1, <laughs> and that's what got me into, like, the greater series as a whole. Like, the PlayStation 1 was was a gateway drug for many problems I had. Me too. Yeah, so the game was called Monster Farm Online, Sean. Oh, that I'm was them, that up right it was now. Japan. It was Japan and South Korea only. Let's see. Uh... <laughs> But here's here's while we're talking about obscure Monster Rancher spinoffs, did any of you guys ever play Monster Rancher Hopabout? No. 
God, no. Because that was a dumb game. It was literally like an arcade, like, board kind of game, right? Where there was, like, a board you needed to get from, like, point A to point B. And it was the main, like, the five monsters that were in the Monster Rancher anime. So it was, like, Mochi, Suezo, Golem, Tiger, and Hare. And they had pogo sticks. And it was, like, an obstacle course where you just rode a pogo stick and had to, like, get to the end of the level. And anytime you'd... Anytime you'd hop on a tile, it would, like, get destroyed and, like, you'd fall through the level if you didn't move. So it was, like, you had to keep hopping, but there were, like, all these, like, power-ups and bombs and stuff. It was a ridiculous game, and I don't know why it ever got me. (laughs) But I loved it. I played the shit out of it. Dude. Uh, So my hope for a Monster Ranger game is that we get one, and it's not a mobile (laughs) game. That's my hope. So I I uh, agree, but... Hopes in reality. Koei Tecmo. <laughs> Tecmo, I'm rooting for you. That's all I got to say. What if it's a good mobile game, though? If it's a good, actually good mobile game that I want to play, then I guess I'm okay with that. But those don't really exist. Wow. The best, the best mobile game I've ever played was Florence, and it was a 45-minute experience. Every other mobile game I've ever played, I've been like, this is okay for a mobile game, and then I lose interest in it in, like, a week. So, I don't want that for Monster Rancher. I want better than that. Yo, listen, like, maybe they should take the new Monster Rancher game and make a new card battle game out of it, because the best mobile game I ever played is a freaking card game. So... So here's the thing, Thompson. They bring back Monster Rancher proper, and they reinvigorate the series in such a way that we get a Monster Rancher card battle sequel and a Monster Rancher hop along or hop about se- it's, sequel. It's bold of you to not assume that the hop along sequel is the flagship of the new generation. It's already actively in development. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I, I gotta tell you, I think. I think Andy hit the nail on the head. I think it is going to be a mobile game. Stop. And no. that's a bummer, but it could be good. And, uh, you know, I, I don't anymore have the opin- the negative opinion that mobile games are bad. So if that's what has to happen, then I guess I accept it. But I really, really hope it is a game that I can play on the PlayStation and that I can love. Like I loved Monster Rancher. Well over a decade ago. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> or wait long enough to not bring it back that I have time to develop my own Monster Rancher spiritual successor and I can get in on that fucking Stardew Valley money. What are you going to be? Well, <laughs> hey, now that's Monster actually Cooper something. Monster Zesty Nacho Cheese as opposed to Monster Cool Rancher. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Monster Cooper all chickens okay so uh moving along to something that is much less fun to talk about uh thq nordic has done the pr equivalent of like taking taking themselves dump on somebody yeah on them on themselves though okay it's like they they bent their body underneath themselves so that they could take a shit on their own head that's essentially what happened from a pr perspective here so, for those of you who don't know, uh, THQ got a lot of flack this week uh, where they, on Twitter, announced that they were going to be doing an AMA session on the, uh, <laughs> Polygon calls it the Notorious Image Board 8chan, which I think is a, a pretty 
a pretty good summation of that. Uh, so if you're not familiar with 8chan, I'm sure you've heard of 4chan, at least at some capacity. Very popular image board, which, um, you know, has gotten a ton of flack over the years for being a, a hotbed for a lot of really, like, gross internet behavior, whether it's, you know, like, um, Gamergate or, like, you know, like, uh, on 8chan, there's an entire board dedicated to child porn, so it's like... Not, not the most savory websites in uh, on the web, and I think that gives you a pretty good idea of what we're talking about here, you know, um, without me opening myself up to get harassed on Twitter for attacking free speech. So uh, just to, like, catch you up, uh, I'm going to pull from the Polygon article by Michael Futter on the, uh, <laughs> on the subject. So after the first um, sentence where he kind of introduces what happens, I thought this was funny. The game industry immediately took notice, hoping that the Vienna-based company's official Twitter had been hacked. No such luck. PR and marketing manager Philip Brock had agreed to hold a question-and-answer session on the board that is known for child pornography, a haven for white supremacy, and a bastion of Gamergate activity. There you go. He said it for me. Uh, <laughs> after a mere two hours, THQ Nordic reversed course. Or rather, Brock did. In a statement posted to Twitter on the THQ Nordic account and shared with the media directly, Brock said he takes full responsibility for the decision. He says he made the call, quote, without doing my proper due diligence to understand the history and controversy of the site. The damage was done, though, and the apology did little to address the root problem. Brock did not engage the HN community alone. He was joined by a subordinate PR manager and business and product development director, Ryan, uh, Reinhard Paulus, an architect of some of THQ Nordic's many acquisitions. All this leaves us to examine just what wrong here, how THQ Nordic could have bettered itself after the fact, and what this might mean for the company's future. So, uh, I, I don't want to, like, go through this entire article where they're like kind of examining it and everything but i will read uh thq nordics or i guess i should say philip brock's statement on it and then we can weigh in i so this comes from their official twitter but it's quoted to brock I personally agreed to do this AMA without doing my proper due diligence to understand the history and controversy of the site. I do not condone child pornography, white supremacy, or racism in any shape or form. I am terribly sorry for the short-sightedness of my exclamation point decision and promise to be far more vigorous in my assessment of these activities in the future. This was not about being edgy. This blew up. And I very much regret to have done it in the first place. Philip Brock, PR and marketing director, THQ Nordic. So, Sean, you you had a reaction there. What what do you what's what do you think about I this just, situation? It's just insanely funny. I mean, if you ever are in a position where you have to come out and say, "I don't," what do you say? I don't support child pornography. <laughs> I don't support <laughs> child pornography. <laughs> like what? <laughs> who supports that? Like who's gonna like? Why is that a thing that needs to be said? If you put yourself in a position where you have to come out and say you don't support white supremacy or child porn, something went wrong along the way. I mean, it says it says here, uh, the opportunity was here and we took it. The opportunity was here and we took it. Do you look at the website before you agree? I, I, what is this? Right? This is crazy. 
Yeah, and uh, there's some there's some good context in the Polygon article where uh, he, the writer points out, according to his LinkedIn profile, Brock has been working with THQ Nordic since 2011 and in his current role since 2015. He's not new to how PR works and what kind of preparation should go into striking a partnership. And then just moving down a little bit further, there's a quote from a, a, a PR professional, Will Powers, who is identified as a veteran PR professional. It says, PR 101, do not engage in something unless you fully understand the implications of it. Just just putting this out there in case someone can use a reminder today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- this whole thing is insane, man. So, like, the initial thought I had was, like, there was only two options for this. That, like, they, they knew what they were getting into and they'd back out. And it was just kind of like, oh, wow, like, our name's in the news. Or the other thing was is that he was as ignorant as possible uh, about it. And he and then they still look like idiots, you know, either way. Uh, but but at the end of the the thing you were saying before, you said like this wasn't an attempt to be edgy. I just didn't understand what was going on. I really don't understand how anyone, PR like uh, official, you know, any one of those, along the the, the rank of being in, in the PR world, okay, from the top tier to like the lowest grunt. I I really don't understand how you wouldn't know like what this was. Like this is insane. Yeah, like that you have no idea of like the chance. Yeah, like boards at the very and, like, least, right? If you heard like, I mean, I'm like my some people I know have no knowledge of anything on the internet and couldn't even like practically turn a computer on, but you could say 4chan, they'd be like, oh, I think I've heard of that at least, but nothing, nothing right, like, like good comes to your you, mind. <laughs> how do you work in the video game industry as a professional since 2011? At even at the the latest, right? Because right. I'm sure he worked in games before that. Yeah. Live through Gamergate and not know 4chan by name at all, or at least to be like, oh yeah, I remember that being some controversy. Like, maybe I should look into this a little bit. How do you live from 2015 to now, even when he had started, and like even to this day? And like, Gamergate's not the only thing that they've been in, like, even the news for at this point. So it's like you. 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 You are like completely devoid of an entire facet of reality. It's. It's. It's actually insane. Like, the man has selective amnesia or something. Or, like, he had a partner working with him, he said? How the fuck did both of these people not realize it? I, 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 I don't, don't know, believe man. this. I, I, I don't I, believe that they didn't yeah, know. I, I don't it's believe insane. It. I believe they knew, yeah. and they didn't yeah. think that it would result in this, and it did. And they haven't apologized. And now this idiot has to be the first person to ever have to say, I don't support child pornography. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm. It's it's actually nuts on all things too that he didn't they didn't strike or try to make the deal with 4chan rather than 8chan where the place is like the place that 4chan said we don't want you people here. That's yeah, that's like a, that's the thing I saw like going around on the internet too is that like man like how tone deaf are you that you don't like that you that you do an AMA on 8chan which is the image board that 4chan which is the most famous right, right. of these boards for being disgusting and having racist people and all this nasty stuff and they're like whoa that's like a little extreme like <laughs> yeah they're like hey man maybe you should get out of here so they make their own place and then he says let's let's pick that place and. What? We're doing on Reddit. <laughs> like it, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, like be normal enough, like everyone, like a normal company in yeah. 2019. Everyone, yeah, everyone can go. Who hasn't gone there yet? I mean, I guess they wanted to like stand out and be something different, and like <laughs> yeah, pioneer a new avenue. Maybe <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, maybe we'll we'll hit up a different crowd. Yeah, like, yeah you certainly did. <laughs> you fucking idiots! Like, uh, I, I, I just like, I honestly, 
this is such a lack of like reason and intelligence that it baffles my mind you know yeah i genuinely cannot understand the decision making process on this one something that i thought was interesting too that i didn't know until i checked out the um the article from polygon by by uh michael futter so there's a there's a little subhead here about how thq has kind of failed to apologize it's like we read the the statement that was made, but they left the link up to the AMA <laughs> and have made like no apology. You know, so that like oh, led lovely. to them getting even more flack. And then there's a little interesting wrinkle in here that I actually hadn't uh, seen pointed out until uh, until I read this originally. So uh, if you look at the original tweet that I referenced in the signature, it uh, it's attributed to THQ Nordic. Um, Hold on, what is it? Uh, it is THQ Nordic GmbH, which is the Vienna Austria arm of the company. So he points out that there's actually so this is something I didn't know about THQ Nordic. So it's important to note that THQ Nordic GmbH, based in Vienna, Austria, is one publishing arm of THQ Nordic AB, based in Stockholm, Sweden. In effect, this is similar to the relationship between Activision Blizzard and Activision Publishing. This naming convention is confusing, and company leadership says it is addressing the issue. THQ Nordic AB CEO Lars Wingefors said in January that, quote, the parent company will change its name to address confusion between the two entities. As of today, the companies still have the same name, so the actions of the publishing arm reflect on the overall THQ Nordic brand that they share. They both need to grapple with the choice to align the companies with 8chan. <laughs> uh, so, it's just like... It's such a weird, sticky a situation, mess. too, because, like, the head of the company, like, probably had... Like, you know, the the parent company really doesn't seem to have had anything to do with this. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was just like a decision that and now they're just uh, a, this. an arm made. It would be like if, if Naughty Dog was just like, oh, we're going to do an AMA on 8chan. And then Sony's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> what? Wait, 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 we didn't say that. I know the, uh, this is insane. This is actually, it gets better when you say that too, because now you've got another entire, an entire section of a, a huge conglomerate company sitting there going like, what the fuck? <laughs> like names are getting changed because of this? Like, oh crap. So I, th I thought, well, not because of this, that was back in January, but it's like, it is a thing of just like, hmm, probably would be good to make that division sooner than <laughs> yeah, later, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if it was changed by now, right? People would have been like, oh, okay, it's not them. It's this guy. Be no association at all. Uh, so I also thought that this was funny. It says, when responding to an email um, inquiry, Wingforce pointed us to Brock's statement on Twitter. Wingforce did not respond to follow-up questions, which included a request for a statement on behalf of the company and for Wingforce to personally respond to the events. Instead, it seems that THQ Nordic is comfortable letting Brock take the fall alone, <laughs> and at the same time, left the link to the 8, to 8chan promoting the AMA live on Twitter for more than 12 hours after the apology. Damn. Um... Quote unquote apology. <laughs> uh, that link exposed any viewer to material that is, at best, not safe for work. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, this whole thing is just so messy, and the fact that, like, the CEO, like, hasn't made a public statement, hasn't condemned the actions, they haven't fired Brock, they're just kind of, like, letting him dangle and, like, just, just, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's really weird. Look, and like no statement of like, 
oh, we're going to avoid this in the future. Like, they didn't even, like, delete the tweet right away. It's just, like, it feels, like, so, like, mismanaged, it's, you know? It's, it's not even mismanaged. It's what they want to do. Like, <laughs> this is this is what they want. You, you can't be a PR person or a person who has any kind of power in a business like this and not understand the intricacies, not know to delete the tweet, not know to apologize, right? Like, come on, this is ridiculous. They have balls. They're just like, hey, we don't see the problem. (laughs) We're not going to apologize. (laughs) All right, yeah, we don't support child porn, but we didn't make it. It's there, but we didn't make it. Uh, And uh, if you want to read the AMA, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I think the new tagline should be for 2018-20. Cheech Kimonori, we know there's child porn, but we didn't make it. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, right. They have some they really do have some balls, honestly. This is this is the most hanging chad situation I've ever seen in my life. Like they it's it's so left it's just like the the bow is yet to be tied and they're just sitting there going, eh, fuck it. Like there's nothing left. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I think the funniest thing about this is that it was THQ Nordic who did this. Like, this weird question mark of a yeah. company. Yeah. Just like, you guys, just every time you're in the news, I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing over yeah, there? Yeah, it's like, THQ oh, they Nordic. bought a piece of Antarctica. What? It's like, that's the kind of stories I hear from these people. And now this shit comes out. So, yeah, it, it's it's apt for it. Oh. Uh... All right, so moving right along, uh, we got the confirmation from CD Projekt Red on Twitter, on the at Cyberpunk Game Twitter account that they run, uh, where they said, for those of you asking, yes, we will be at E3 this year. So, obviously, I think this is, like, not super surprising, right? Like, Cyberpunk 2077 is a big game, and, you know, I think, like, to expect that they're coming to E3 is like not necessarily crazy, but I'm super excited by this announcement specifically because like last year they did that big gameplay reveal that they only showed to the press and then eventually the fans were so vocal about it that they that they released it for all of us to check out. And we were all pretty high on what we saw and like thought this game looks really fresh. So for me like I'm so excited about seeing what their big reveal is going to be when they're intending to show everybody from the top, you know? And, like, now that we're so much further along and, like, you got to assume that this game is around the corner. You know, whether it's a 2019 release, I think, remains to be seen. But I think we're going to get our answer at this year's E3 of does it come out in fall 2019? Is it a 2020 game? Either way, I'm pretty sure we're going to get our definitive first look at it and or not first look but you know what i mean like the deep dive and get that release date or at least that release window so uh what do you guys what wh- where's your hype level for for cyberpunk right now oh it's so all over the place um i really want this game to be good i love cyberpunk as a genre and i think the setting's cool but I'm not big on any of CD Projekt's Red games that I've played before. See, I agree, but I don't think it's because they can't make a game I'll be interested in. I think it's just because I don't like slow plotting, like, RPGs in that way. Like, I like RPGs. I like 
you know, big RPGs too, but like I could never get into the Witcher's combat because it was so slow. And it reminds me of the same reason that I just never really like Dark Souls, except the Witcher's not broken. Um, so like for me, the fact that it's like a more like almost Bioshock-esque like first-person shooter, but there's fucking superpowers, I'm like, yeah, I could get down with that. I really think I could. I I don't know that I have a hype level for it yet. <clears throat> it's one of those out of mind, out of sight, out of mind situations, uh, which actually helps me to like avoid having any types of feelings when a game gets delayed or doesn't come out when I want it to or whatever. Sure, I don't yeah. Think about them when they're not around. So uh, I'm happy that it'll be at E3. This was one of the games that really, really excited me when I saw it. And I think, you know, that's everybody felt that way, right? That's not uh, unusual. But um, if it's if it's not coming out this year, that's fine. You know, 2020, that's cool. But I do think it's important because, like I just said, right, out of sight, out of mind, I do think it's important that the game does show face at E3, that we do find out when it's going to come out. And if there are lingering questions, that we get those answered. Because this has the potential to be something really, really big and special. But you got to handle the, the preamble properly and uh that's gonna require showing face and i think it's time for them to stake their claim of like <sighs> this is when we're coming out everybody get out of our way because this game's gonna be a big deal yeah you know yeah man i so like a, a e3 presence to me is not surprising in fact it's needed especially after the last thing that they showed i felt like that obviously was the next step um the for as for the hype um let me explain it like this if you were going to go on vacation, but you decided to take a train, I'm at the stage where I bought the ticket. I'm super duper excited to see where I'm going to be. I don't want to take that train ride. You know, like it sucks. It's boring waiting for everything to take, you know, 12 hours to go somewhere where the hell you want to go. So like for me, like I'm not going to really feel it until I see the E3 presence. I'm not going to, I'm kind of with Sean on this. Like I don't really, I know I'm going to enjoy something about this, but I don't have a full grasp on like, you know, what, really is going to happen until then so if it is going to be into like you know 2021 or 20 you know or, or late 2020 like it's going to be far enough out that like i'm gonna i'm gonna be <laughs> oversaturated with shit by that point you know what i'm saying yeah. like how some games that we've we've definitely had that happen with us where it's like all right well, we'll just shit her off the pot or I'm, I'm sick of seeing this now or uh, i'm super excited to start that with this but I, I'm, I'm a little worried that like you know they might be like I, it's definitely time for them to stake their claim, but um, if that if their release window is too long, it's gonna drag, and then it's gonna feel like uh, what's the fuck Death Stranding to me? You know, it's like it's gonna feel like that for me. <laughs> um, I'm but I, like, dude, cyberpunk stuff. I love it. I play all these weird sci-fi games and futuristic shit. Settings got me down. You know, like I do have an issue with what you said, Pete. That there isn't really a previous game that I have really enjoyed from CD Projekt Red. Although they're all like really good games, I just don't really get into them. It has nothing to do with the slow combat, even because obviously I'm a huge like Souls fan and other and other games like in that genre. But something about the Witcher games never grabbed me in. When you hit about the halfway or late game point, that it's like, all right, every fight I got to pause to drop twenty potions and buff this or attack that. Like I enjoy RPGs and the and I enjoy everything about like stat building and, and that kind of weird shit. But it didn't feel like fluid enough for me and i just hope that yeah, like i agree yeah like have you ever has, has anyone of you played deus ex before like the old deus ex game yeah. like the first like the old old shit one 
Mm-hmm. Cool. That game, I thought, did what The Witcher was trying to do, but, like, better, right? The stats were there, and it was very reliant on what your stats were. Um, like, if your shooting was bad, like, your shooting was bad in the game, too. But, like, it felt like it was still an RPG, even though all that stuff was going on. And it it definitely felt like you could build into it, excuse me, better than, like, I don't know, The Witcher's potion system kind of, like, was where I had issue. Like, it felt like I was too much reliant on the outside forces of my character wasn't building toward the objective I needed. So I just hope that, like, Cyberpunk doesn't stray from that as much. Because it looks kind of like the Deus Ex experience I wanted from the newest one that came out from whatever name it was. I was a little... Eh, about it, so... I don't know. Yeah, I think for me, it feels like this is hitting a lot of the right notes. Because, like, I don't feel like we've seen too much of it. Like, they showed us 48 minutes, but, like, that's it. That's all we've seen of it. And I felt like it gave me a good sense of what the world feels like and what like the tone of the game is and what some of the things I'll be doing moment to moment are. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I barely scratched the surface of what this world has to offer. So like I'm still invested and it reminds me a lot of when I saw horizon for the first time where like I saw it and I was like, I'm in, I'm in on this. I like the aesthetic. It looks fresh. It looks like it's tight gameplay wise and it seems like it's going to appeal to me. So now I agree with you that really all they have to do is just not show me too much. Like, if they come with, like, a good, tight, like, trailer at E3 with a release date, that's all I need. Like, yeah, I've yeah. already seen enough to be, like, um, this is a day one purchase for me. Yeah. I like, this is a game, unless they show me something I really that really turns me off, except for The Outer Worlds, I don't think that there's a AAA game right now that I'm more excited for. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm same right there, too. Like, um, the hype is there for me, but, like, I just need to know, like, how I interact with the world, because if... Like, you know what I mean? Like, how, how the, the mechanics work, rather. Like, I yeah. saw, like, how the world will be and everything, but I want to know, like, the, the meat behind it, and that's, like, my favorite part about these games. So, if right. they have that right, I'm totally in. I'm, like, excited to discover those things for myself, like, not necessarily, like, have them told to me. Hmm. Like, I already feel like the pitch for Cyberpunk is enough for me to get in the door, and it's, like, I'm ready for a game like this right now. You know, like, Red Dead really scratched that itch for me, and I, like... I really have been enjoying it, and I'm not done with it yet, but, you know, I really could go for, like, a nice, like, story-driven shooter right now, you know? And, like, I don't know. I'm just really excited for this goddamn game. This and Outer Worlds are both really speaking to me right now in terms of, like, style and aesthetic and, like, feeling fresh and feeling like something that I haven't done a million times before, you know? Because, like, as excited as I was for Red Dead, it's, like, it's Red Dead 2. It's an experience I've already had, but bigger and different. And, like, both of these games, like, feel totally fresh for me right now. And, like, even Outer Worlds is, like, oh, it kind of feels like Fallout in space. Whereas, like, this doesn't feel like anything else to me. It feels like Blade Runner, but that's not a video game. It's, like, what if Blade Runner was pink? (laughs) To satiate that itch, how about we propose Arcane Studios makes the next shooter first like like a dishonored but like shooter you know what i'm saying arcane studios can make any fucking video game they want because like prey and i'll play which it. you didn't play is i know i own it i haven't played it's it pretty I feel much bad. you're asking it for today. one, yeah, one facet or it. another and i'm just saying you agreed that arcane would make a good thing so maybe you should play prey yeah you're right you're right it's honestly one of the best games i ever played play it i will another time would turn into a coffee cup again 
that game and Last of Us, I need to go back and play this year because the window for me playing them is closing. I know. Like, <laughs> and I'm going to pester you until you get at least one of them out of the way. Do it. Keep me honest, Thompson. <laughs> I'll try. So, yeah, uh, E3. We'll talk more about it then. All right, so next up, we got the uh, second full trailer for Sean's most anticipated film of the decade, Detective Pikachu. Um, Everything we see about this movie, it looks better. If this weren't a podcast, I would just no-sell you and not respond, but I got to make the money. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, it's a movie. Let's talk about the trailer. Looks great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think this movie looks great. May 10th, right? It's right around the corner. Every time we see more of this movie, I get more excited for it. Yeah, I, I think it looks like it's going to be so much fucking I, I, fun. I fucking hate myself right now because I actually kind of want to see this movie and I was so against it when it was first announced and I've come I've come so fucking far, man. Like, I've done the round trip. I'm on the other side of the pendulum and I want to see this stupid movie because these trailers Pika- are good and I don't... <laughs> Pikachu says hell, you guys. Pikachu said hell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still, you know, I still want Danny DeVito to be it, but Ryan Reynolds is doing a great job, so no big deal. No big deal. Maybe we'll get a sequel and it'll be Danny DeVito as Detective Pikachu number two, and it's like the son of Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Man, it's like we saw so many new Pokemon in this trailer. Yeah. yeah. Just, like, the designs look so fucking good, dude. Yeah. That was, that's, like, honestly, my biggest part about this is I'm just... I'm just so happy how, like, they've integrated them into the real world, and it just looks, like, like really good, man. Like, that's, like, how my childhood saw it, you know? If the Pokemon are real, and, and, and like, stupid-ass movie is is really good-looking, and I hate myself for liking it now, because I really hated this idea at first. But it's brilliant, yeah. and you came around? Yeah, I came around. Oh, man. Uh, Each passing day, we get closer to my prophetic take being true. This movie's gonna be better than Justice League. Your your nuclear <laughs> take. <laughs> All right. I mean, honestly, like Andy, I'm gonna give you a strong pat on the back because there's a there's a chance that that might happen now. <laughs> oh God. So I have some things to say. <laughs> Number one, Andy, a movie. Being better than Justice League is hardly a high bar. That's true. <laughs> and, and that's true. But when this movie was announced, that's the take I went with. And you were like, no way. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, and in addition, let's everybody remember that this is a trailer. Trailers can be deceptive. We talked about that actually on the video game pals just yesterday. Uh, it could It could still end up being bad. We don't know. That being said, I have to say, this trailer is very good. This is a very good trailer. Seeing the Pokemon, Machamp being a traffic cop, uh, Snorlax being a (laughs) straight-up bum, those are things that I want to see. Mr. Mime is the greatest character ever. He's the best Pokemon. (laughs) Um, But I... The part where he falls off the bike, like <laughs> yeah, that's the me. best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but I have, I have a core issue that I'm never gonna be able to get over. Even if this movie is good, I won't be able to get over it. And it's the following: this movie feels like every single Pokemon game 
that ever came out on console. In the sense that, hey, you know, Pokemon Coliseum was really fun and really good. And I enjoyed it. But it's not the core Pokemon story. It's a... It's a... It's a tease. They show you stuff you want, but they don't give you what you need. Right? This isn't that core Pokemon story. This isn't that, you know, youthful child gets his first Pokemon and goes from being a scrub to the world champion. This is some random Ryan Reynolds movie with Pikachu in it. That's my problem. And until I get that core Pokemon experience, I am not going to be satisfied. Just not going to happen. But, Sean... You get to watch Mewtwo blow up a balloon in this trailer. Yeah, in the trailer. But guess what I don't get to see? I don't get to see Ash going to uh, the, the the Pokemon League and busting ass with a Pikachu that cannot talk. That's what I want. Yo, Ash can get fucked. Here's my thing. <laughs> I'm down for them to... I want them to make a traditional Pokemon movie, like, as a, as a series, you know? Because doing that one movie would be tight. Gotta be a trilogy, you know? Um, but fuck Ash. I don't want him to be the main character. Whatever. I don't care get who a new it kid is. In don't there. quibble with that. I'm talking about I want that real, raw Pokemon story. Alright, listen. Here's my pitch. We do that movie, but instead of Red or Ash... We do, Gary Oak, motherfucker. Awful. It's blue, and he's doing coke. He's oh. fucking battling right, people well, he's, left I, and right. He's if getting, we can make a movie in which a ten-year-old child does cocaine, then that's a movie I'll go see. But let me tell you what: this is going to be a THU Nordic situation all over again. So I don't know if you want to be involved in that project. Gary Oak, Gary Oak and his EV just like they win all the gym battles, they go and become the champions, then he falls into like a hard cycle of drugs and like the movie starts you know, when he's like thirty two and he's like, he's got he's gotta get clean and like, you know, like he's checking really into get his, his shit together. He's looking at his ten he's, dusty badge and he's like, I used to be the best. <laughs> That's no like, I used ever to was. be somebody. <laughs> He's just like splashing water on his face, and he's just got <laughs> bags under his eyes, and it's like his like Professor Oak died, Damn. you know. So like he's like me- remembering back on his grandfather, and he's just like, one day you're gonna be the greatest Pokemon trainer in the world, my my grandson. And he's just like, fuck. He's like, I used to be somebody, Gramps. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> cuts away to him putting a, a rose on Ash's grave, and he's like, you were my only friend <laughs> until that Pikachu shocked you to death that one day. <laughs> <laughs> and then, the and then here's here's the the climactic moment where he finally turns it around. Though he gets a like the baggie filled with cocaine, and he goes to the toilet, and he's like, "Smell you later," and he flushes it. <laughs> Ash, Ash has to be alive though. He has to be the league champion. That way, Gary can redeem himself because then Ash can talk mad shit like used to be good at this <laughs> oh ash could be an, a mimic you and he's possessing what you know because he loved pikachu so much and died by it jesus dude there you're you awesome the dark Man, <laughs> yeah there you go you're you're you escalated it even beyond where i was old. now there's demon possessions and shit dude, mimic you is just the fucking ghost inhabiting a thing that wants to be a pikachu so ash died by it and, to, and therefore the only thing his ghost body remember is the form that murdered him so he comes back as a mimic you 
Damn. And that's what Gary Oak's first Pokemon he catches is a Mimikyu, and he's like, this reminds me of my, my best friend Ash so much. Dude. You're my number one. And he lets him out of the ball and everything, and that's how the story you starts. you scare kids? It's a kids movie, man. Come on, what are you doing? I'm saying he's like, already... Th- he's talking about him like, being on cocaine that's all and good. shit, and he's on a that's hard time. We that's can't. all good. Kids, kids are down with cocaine and shit. Yeah. Oh, are they? That's normal. <laughs> I guess I'm not hip enough. I didn't yeah. realize that was that in vogue. That looks like sugar. You can't, you can't scare kids. Like... <laughs> You sh- <laughs> it looks like you, that's how they that's get some Momo yeah. stuff, man. You can't have like <laughs> dark death and ghosts and possession in a Pokemon movie. I, I want that in a Pokemon movie. If it's not Detective you Pikachu, it, you could have it in the in the sequel in the Pokemon trilogy when he goes to Saffron yeah. City. But that's it. <laughs> All right, so keeping it on the Pokemon trend, we got the uh, Nintendo Direct, which revealed Pokemon Gen 8 in uh, its full form. It's we're Pokemon Sword and Shield. That's our, our next set of games here. We got a look at the Galar region, which is influenced by uh, the UK, specifically England. We got a look at some of the maps, some of the culture of the region. The map uh, we got a look at the starters. straight line. Well, it's just like, hey, what if you took the UK and flipped it? And that's the map. It's literally just the UK upside down. So It's so true, man. Obviously, I, I, I have a lot to say about this one. Yeah. But let's get some takes from you guys. Uh, Sean, why don't we start with you? I think you're the toughest nut to crack. All right. Uh, <laughs> so I'm pretty used to the, the drip feed Pokemon reveals. You know, we got the starters, which you expect, the name and the map. That's all the standard stuff. That's cool. I don't get hyped for these kinds of reveals because they're so tiny. Um, the Seeing the starters is the best part. But uh, I don't know. They don't seem to be that inspired, to be honest. They're not. They, I didn't think that they were super cool. Um I saw you you posted a uh, like a you shared uh, an image of them in eight bit, and oh, I yeah. actually think they look a million percent better like that to be honest. But uh, as it's pixel art is better than three D <laughs> art. Period. As it stands, you know I, I got to see the evolutions. I don't think they look too great. Oh, um, sorry. Right now, shield and sword as the as the the titles. That's different. That's different. Uh, I'm cool with that. That's cool. And the map looks fine. You know, whatever. I'm interested in what they're going to show us that's going to differentiate this from Gen 7. And uh, how much of an influence Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu have over this game. Because I suspect that this game will probably resemble that more than I'm cool with. I I don't think so. Uh, just based on like what we saw in the trailer, because I was thinking that originally too. But like the it, from what they showed us, right? Like gyms are back, random encounters are back, so like there won't be Pokemon out on the the field, yeah. you know. Um, so like I feel like that already to me like seems to point in a direction that like it's gonna have. M- more in common with the old games and with let's go you know like i don't know if we're even gonna have like the motion control catching and stuff like that i don't i don't really feel like that's gonna come back right um i 
I hope I'm right too on that regard. Uh, but I don't know. I I'm actually afraid it's not going to learn the positive lessons I wanted it to learn from Let's Go. Like that the things that I liked about Let's Go that I wanted to come to the mainline games. I don't Such even know as. if we're gonna see them. Maybe like Pokemon riding stuff like that. I liked the being able to see them in the overworld because it made the world feel a little bit more alive. Um, maybe even just some of the quality of life stuff, like having your box in your back pocket, like all those kinds of things. Like I don't yeah. know. I, I I've, yeah, like being I, I'm able getting to access the sense. PC anywhere was just like fucking awesome and. Very convenient. At least in post-game, I'd like that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, looking at this trailer, I feel like it has a lot more in common with, the with like, the traditional old Pokemon formula that we've come to know and begrudgingly accept as the only thing we can get. Because I, <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to have more in common with Gen 6 than Gen 7. I hope so. I hope you're right. I hope so. I I, I did like the, the, the PC Anywhere thing because it's too, it's too free. Like... I think that games like Pokemon on some level thrive off limitations and yeah a lot of I think that's people fair. don't really understand that obviously yeah you would rather have your PC everywhere but when you don't it doesn't force you to go back to the regular store or you know the the Pokemon center those kinds of things make it feel like all right I got to do these things and it puts you more into that that character that you're playing as uh so Puts more pressure on yeah, you as a so player. Yeah, so I hope that that is a thing. I hope this game is actually difficult on some level. Give me a difficulty slider or something. Um, Please. That yeah, would be never great. Gonna happen. It's probably not going to happen, but at least make it somewhat of a challenge. I haven't been challenged by a Pokemon game in way too long. That's a big reason why I stopped really committing to them, because they're too easy. Um, and that's, fr that's frustrating. I don't, I don't want to play that. I'm, you know, this isn't my first game, so. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm with you on almost all of that. Um, like, I don't know. I didn't really play Sun or Moon because fuck, did they just try to hold my hand through the beginning yeah. of the game? I. That story is like way too much. I want them to not do that, but I feel like. With the money they're putting into like expanding graphics and being on a console, it's going to be oh we need a story, oh we need X Y and Z, and I don't want that. I just want to like catch Pokemon, and be the champion. Yeah, I. That's something I really hope that they internalized from like Let's Go. Is like hey, these games don't need a story. Like the thinnest framing device is enough. Like. Throw in a couple world events or whatever. Like, every Pokemon game has a story. Yeah. But the story is never the focus. Right. Like, even in X and Y, when you, like, fucking save the world, that's fine. Yeah. So just, like, let me beat up Team Rocket a couple times, and that's it. Or, like, you know, oh, Team Rocket took over Goldenrod City? Cool. I'll go and fight a bunch of guys in the radio tower, and now it's over. That's all I need. Like, that's what all I'm looking I for. want out of this Pokemon game is the ability to become addicted to gambling in Goldenrod City. That is literally all I want. I want to stay at the slot machine and play for that Dratini until I am piss broke. The fact that they took that out of Let's Go made me so upset. <laughs> like, I was like, are you kidding me? I can't go become a child gambler? <laughs> this is bullshit. That's all I want. So... 
I feel like the starters are are kind of cool, but they give me this feeling of nostalgia from like the first games, right? Especially when you see the pixel art. I feel like, damn, that almost looks like a Gen 1 kind of or like Gen 2 kind of design, you know? Like they, they look simple but effective, you know what I'm saying? They're not too wild. They're not ice cream cones, you know? And like I thought that was hard as hell to do when you've already got 700-something monster you know, what 750 before this even um that were available that you know i i was worried that they would look more uninspired than this right so i have i have a good feeling about this generation just from seeing the starters right um as far as like the let's go features i feel like they're gonna not learn their lesson you know like there are some good quality of life things there that i i had experienced when i was playing it with pete and i i am i'm sadly uh, thinking that some of them aren't going to be there, but, like, I can see the point on having the box and stuff. Like, the limitations do make it more challenging, and, like, I do want more of a challenge, so maybe some of them shouldn't be there, you know? Um, it's, it's, a, it's like, really hard to tell because, like, this is a whole new zone for them to go on, you know? Like, I, I'm really excited to see what they can pull off, but maybe the map is the only thing that, like, um, that's right. It's like a, it's basically a straight line, like you said. I have no problem with that, but I think that that's that's kind of like me an indication, almost like again back to like the nostalgia of this, like the first one, just kind of like just go here and kill everything. If they just focus on like that shit, we don't really need the story, right? I'm really excited for this game. I think I think we got something brewing here. Just there's like clues of it that look like it's going to be one of the best ones. You know, I think they've learned a lot of lessons. I, I don't I know why I have a really good feeling about this game. A lot into this trailer because you're optimistic. I'm no, I'm not. I'm dude. I'm very down about the Pokemon series since like fucking like Gen three, man. I hadn't played one since. That's like, not three. even and true. You love, you Sun, love and Sun and Moon, yeah. No, but like Sun and Moon was a was a hit for what it was for like five minutes for me. I played, I beat it, I was done with it. And I think that they learned that. I think that they're not. I don't know, man. I just got a good feeling about this one. So. I, I will say, I have a good feeling about this, too. I really like the look of the region. I, I think it's very different from any other Pokemon region we've ever been to. Like, the fact that there's a mix of, like, the more urban cities that are, like, built up and, like, more dense. And then there's, like, these open fields and, you know, some, like, some different, like, uh, biomes that we haven't really experienced much before, like marshes and, you know, that sort of stuff. That's all really fresh and, and opens up the opportunity for them to do, like, new kinds of Pokemon that we haven't seen before and, like, have us have moments that feel memorable when we have done this same thing so many times before. And, like, I think especially if you're a more casual player, there are probably a lot of regions that, like, bleed together for you. So I think that this region is going to stick out in a meaningful way, which is something that's exciting to me. And I'm, I'm with Thompson where, so I, I really like the design of the new, the new starters. I remember like, I really enjoyed the, the starters for gen seven. And that was the first time that they had revealed the new set of starters that I was really high on for a while. Cause both gen and five and, um, six, like I, their starters are fine, but I don't love them. I really like the design of these new these three new guys. Um, I think that they all feel like unique enough. But I agree with Thompson, where I really like that they had a more simple design and that it felt more rem more reminiscent of the creature design in Gens One and Two. It's like a return to form, but with like the modernization that you want. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like there there is definitely some of the more like modern like the the eyes, the big round eyes as opposed to the more like angular look and everything like so they still feel new, but I feel like it felt like a more return to that more animalistic and like less um I don't know, just, like, kind of, like, less, like, mechanical. Like, there are a lot of Pokemon in the last couple gens that look like Digimon. <laughs> and That's true. I like, I like that in Gen 7 we saw a more return to, like, a more simple animalistic kind of approach. And I feel like we're doubling down on that gear, at least based on these three Pokemon. So I really like the look of these guys. I think all three of them are cute, and I'm interested to see what they evolve into. Uh, I'm particularly fond of Sobble and um, Munkie. I think he's, what was his name? Grookey. Grookey. Um, I like the two of them quite a bit. Surprise Pikachu face and Goku from the anime Dragon Ball. <laughs> wow, Andy. I mean, <laughs> if that's if that's what you want to compare them those to, are, I guess. Those are like, <laughs> um, surprising no one, Andy, like the dumb fire I type. I do like the tricks, Bunny. Thank you. <laughs> no, I like Square Bunny, too. He's cute. I, I like them all. I, again, like I from what we saw here... I don't think that this game is going to be as much of a step forward as I want it to be, but there are things about it that are interesting to me. And the fact that in the direct presentation, um, oh my god, what's his name? I can't remember. I can't remember off the top of my head, but the director um, of the game said that they're like specifically like trying new things and trying to like get down to the essence of what makes Pokemon special, and that's that is a like promising initiative for me like that's what i want to see game freak do is to be more reflective and try to hone in on what pokemon needs to be not the conventions that they've been building on top of for years and years and years you know right. they've been so building. i don't know if this is going to be enough but step in the right direction so my my last word is that even though there are definitely some concerns on my part, this game, at its core, like the base knowledge that we have, is exactly what I've been wanting my entire life. A Pokemon game on the main Nintendo console. That is not a, an offshoot, not a weird side project, or, or a stadium game. A regular game where you can play the main story. This is exactly mm. what I've always wanted. I'm happy that I'm getting that. Anything else is a bonus. And I have faith that because this is the first time this is happening, this is not something that I think Game Freak is taking lightly by any means. And I believe that they're going to put their best foot forward. And for that reason, I'm super, super excited for this game. Yeah, I completely agree, Sean. I, I, I'm very excited for this game. I think that the more we see of it, the better an idea we're going to get of where that innovation is coming from. And is this just, you know, the same Pokemon game we've been getting on the Switch with slightly better graphics? Or are there going to be some surprises and some innovations that we're just not aware of yet? And I think there probably will be because we know almost nothing. And I think if you'll remember, uh, when we had the reveal of of Sun and Moon, really all we got at the at the start was, hey, it's in Alola, it's a tropical region, here's the starters, that's what's up. We didn't know about like Alolan forms or like some of the breakdown of some of the conventions and stuff like that until a little bit later. So 
you know, I think the next time we hear about Pokemon, we'll have a much better idea of what exactly we're getting here. But I'm interested in the elevator pitch at the very least. And as a Pokemon fan, I'm going to buy whatever the game is. So, you know, I'm already in. I'm just hoping that it checks more of my boxes than less. All right. So it's time to jump into our meat and potatoes discussion this week, uh, which is something a little different. You know, I think any other week, I probably would have just doubled down on the Pokemon talk and had us discuss every single thing that I could possibly think about about Pokemon Sword and Shield. But today, as of this recording, it's March 3rd, which, for those who don't know, is a very, very special birthday to what might be my favorite Nintendo console, the Nintendo Switch. So today is officially the second birthday of the the Phoenix-style revival of Nintendo as a brand. So I thought it might be a good opportunity to discuss the Switch, uh, some of our stories about like how we got our Switch, when were we first sold on the idea of the Switch, uh, favorite games, stuff we're looking forward to in the future, like all that stuff. You know, just kind of like a, a nice little retrospective on how these two years have been so far and, and what we're looking forward to in the next however much time we have left with the <laughs> Switch, I guess. Which, knowing Nintendo, what, 10 years maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Until there's another one out and there are still exclusives coming out for Switch that you're complaining about being on Switch. Stop, I don't want to carry my Switch around anymore. I only want my games on the Nintendo Flip. With the Nintendo Flip I'm assuming at that point. DS? Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's a Switch with two screens. So let's start with the uh, let's start with with the question of when were you first sold on the idea of the switch? Because I think I, I was an early believer in in the the promise of the switch back in the day when we knew that there was like the coded the code named NX you know that everyone was talking about and it was that that first idea of like. Nintendo bringing the handheld and the home market together for the first time, uh, that that idea always made sense to me. Because during the Wii U era, I regularly expressed the opinion that Nintendo should get out of the console game. Because I, the Wii had been, a, a, you know, a, obviously a big commercial success for them, but I think... You know, there are a few gamers who would argue that it was a good platform. You know, it hit a point where, despite the fact that there were, like, millions of them in the wild, software just stopped coming out, or at least quality software stopped coming out. And it felt like, to me, since then, all of the best Nintendo games, with rare exception for, like, your Brawls or, you know, your, your Mario Galaxies or whatever, most of the hottest games were coming to whatever Nintendo's handheld was at the time, you know? The DS had a thriving ecosystem. The 3DS had a thriving ecosystem. While both the Wii and the Wii U kind of struggled to have meaningful exclusives after a while. Um, and Wii U, great library, but nobody wanted to buy it. You know? And the idea of them bringing both of those things together for the Switch and making it so that it was possible to put out a quality Nintendo title like by Nintendo like once a month. You know? Or being able to lock down those third-party partnerships that they used to have to split across two different SKUs to have them all under one camp like that always made sense to me 
And I was sold on the idea before we saw it, but when we saw the Switch for the first time at that uh, that 2015, I think it was November, I want to say, reveal event, I I was like all all about it, you know, and like it was October, okay. Um, when we finally got the name Nintendo Switch and saw what it was and saw what the games they were promising us were, like, I was all in. So, I'll be the counterpoint here, and I'm going to say I'm still not really all in on the idea of the Switch. Like, it's fine, and I, I use handheld mode, but it's all about the games for me, baby. Like, if it was just... A regular console that I put my cartridges in and played with a controller, I'd still play the same games the same amount of time. Like, I genuinely... I don't know. I'm still kind of confused about why this is a thing. Like, it's too bulky to actually take anywhere, in my opinion. Um, like, I'll use it if I'm on the train or whatever, but if I'm just going around my day-to-day, I'm not going to carry that thing. See, I like I totally disagree. Like it fits so well into my lifestyle. You know, of like I take it with me everywhere. I always throw it like if I go to work, I throw it in my briefcase. If I'm going somewhere for leisure, I throw it in my backpack. And like it's perfect. I'm somewhere in the middle on both of those. Like I I love the idea of it, but I've used the dock mode one time. Short of Pete's house, I personally have only used the dock mode one time. I have only ever used it in handheld, so to me, it's like if they to, to me, I see it more like the Switch for me is just like a really strong DS that plays at console power. You know what I mean? With like killer games <laughs> sure. for it, right? So like, <clears throat> as far as being sold on the idea, like I loved the idea, and then I got one, and I was kind of like, well, I just don't really ever want to hook it up anymore because any time I'm playing it, like. It just felt better when it was docked. I mean, it's not docked. Um, handheld, and uh, I'd be, like, around sure. the house, and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to make some food. So, like, if it was docked, I would have... The one time I did, I picked it up and went out there, and then I was like, well, I'm just fucking playing it handheld again. You know what I mean? So I just never, like, docked the damn thing. And then I just found myself always using it somewhere else, like, in short of, like, if I wasn't with my PC, because then I would be like, well, I guess I'm on my PC now. Um so, like, it's a great idea to have it at both, but it really, to me, is just a console-strength handheld system, which is great. So, like, sold on the idea all you want, I just don't employ it very well. <laughs> so, I was never sold on the idea of the Switch. I only bought it because of Smash, and yeah. <laughs> there... Well, you received it I, as a well, gift, yeah, right? I received it as a gift, but that was... That wasn't like um, I got it because I wanted it, you, you know. Um, right. And I wouldn't have gotten it if I didn't want it. So I only got it because of Smash. I would have bought the Nintendo console no matter what it was or what the features were like because of Smash, and that's just how I am. So it didn't it didn't matter what kind of console it was, and it still doesn't matter what kind of console it is. I don't care about the ability to have it handheld. That means nothing to me. I only want to play it as as a docked home console. Um, and, you know, when you talk about whether or not it, it works for the way you live to take it outside and stuff, like, I have a friend who plays it 
probably equally between docked and not docked because when he goes to school he likes to um you know play during his break or whatever and uh i'm just not like that if i'm on the bus or the train or whatever i'm either just listening to music or playing a mobile game marvel strike force that's it i'm not i'm not gonna pull out a big ass piece of uh hardware to play it just feels wrong and then it also is like not cheap so I don't want to lose it or have it be robbed or anything like that. I just don't. I don't think of it in that way as a as a device that I'm supposed to take with me wherever I go. And um, maybe that'll change because of Pokemon. I highly, highly doubt it. I think that this is just the way I'm going to use it, and I'm cool with that. Um, I don't really want to do anything else, so it does what I want to do, and I'm happy with that. I mean, to me, I think that's part of why it works so well. Yeah, though, all three of us right? have it's a, like, a different way to play it, right? You're like console only, Pete's half and half. I'm handheld only, and all of us love it for that. And I think that's what's fucking the magic what about of the system, you know? Yeah, I'm just. I don't know out. what Andy does necessarily. He's he's a he's a oddball in all these cases, man. He's the he's the the Joker of Persona, you know what I mean? The guy <laughs> like the, the the crazy man, the wild card. And he could be like one week he's like I play nothing but console. Next week I play nothing but handheld. You never know. He just said he only plays docked. Hey, he's uh, a trickster. That's wrong though. Like I know that's not true. I've seen him play it in handheld yeah. mode. And he's a I liar. I didn't say I only play docked. I said I mostly <laughs> Listen play to this man. Already backpedaling. <laughs> you made a and strong case for hedge, docked only. Hedge. I I, I said I mostly play docked and I only want my console to be docked and I'm still not sure why it has the handheld mode. Okay. So that's why that's I used the three of us because wild. it was solid evidence and I didn't have to inquire further and I just figured case in point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, like, I'm I'm definitely more on the side of Thompson where, like, I play it in handheld mode exclusively unless I'm playing a multiplayer game. Hmm. Like, if I'm doing Smash, Mario Kart, ARMS, like, anything like that, like, that's on the TV. But otherwise, like, I'm rocking handheld mode. Um, I just think it's it's perfect. Like, I, I couldn't... I, I don't think that, like, there could have been a better move for Nintendo in terms of developing their well, next I think, console. Because, like, I feel like it... I think regardless of what any of our opinions are, the the facts are that the system is doing amazingly well. And I don't think that you can argue that it's not at least in some way due to the fact that you can play it both ways. I think that that is absolutely a piece of why it's so successful and it's because you can be me and never take it off your dock or you can be Pete and never put it on your dock and uh, you can still play and enjoy it and that's totally cool. you, You gotta figure, right? There are people who are only DS players, right? For many, yep. many years. Lots and of those people yeah, for sure. probably bought the Switch to continue doing what they were doing before. And if you were a Wii U or Wii player, you bought the Switch to continue doing what you were doing before. There are probably very few Nintendo players who feel left out because of the Switch. And that's brilliant. Yeah, and I think the thing for me that like speaks to the value of it is like i mentioned the thing about the software split before right the fact that there is like actual nintendo stuff that comes out multiple times a year on one device that helps and i think it's like even increased by the fact that like because i used to buy two nintendo consoles i would spend 
a medium to small amount of time with both of them rather than now I have one device that I use literally every day. You know, there isn't a day that goes by where I don't touch my Switch at some capacity, you know? Um, and, like, I haven't had that with a Nintendo console, like, ever, really? You know, like, it would be, oh, there's a game that I'm at that's out right now that I want to play on my DS or my Wii U or whatever, whatever the dominant console or and handhelds were at the time, and then when that was over, it went in a box or went in my bag or whatever, sat on the shelf until the next thing I wanted to fuck with came out. Whereas, like, with Switch, I always have multiple games on it that I'm trying to play, and I have, like, when I'm at home and I have my home console time, I'm playing my PS4 and I'm playing Red Dead and Kingdom Hearts right now, and when I'm in my, like, I'm on the road or if I'm, like, hanging out in my bed before, you know, I'm trying to go to sleep or whatever, like, I've got my Switch games that I'm working my way through. And, like, that shifts when the big AAA console experience comes out, and then that's what I'm focused on, but I'm still playing my Switch, you know? And it's not being like, oh, I only dust off my Wii U because the one fucking game I actually want to play on it every three years came out or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. I get that feeling, man. So the fact that it's keeping me, like, intimately engaged with it every day is, like, a real strength of Nintendo's strategy, I think, as well. Yeah. It's like a console that adapts with me. You know, for whatever I'm feeling at the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I had a really long stint recently where I didn't touch it for at least like four months, and then like Wargroove, so I got that finally, and that's been a blast. And I gotta say, like, I really did miss it. It was, it was a good time from like the the beginning of my time with it. Like I was right where you were. Like I had touched it like every day, and then I just. I don't know, I just didn't have time at, like, one point, and then, you know, that turned into, like, two days a week, and then it was like, oh my god, like, four or something, four or five months have passed, and I haven't touched the Switch, holy shit, <laughs> you know, so, um, it's good to be back in it, for sure, and, like, it is really engaging, it's really cool that there's so many opportunities where, if I didn't have it on me, I'd just, like, putz on the phone or something, you know, just, like, do, who knows, you know, something else time-wasting, but it's... It's rewarding to be like, oh, I can, like, work on this game or, you know, take a turn in this, like, Wargroove especially. It's it's incredible for something like that, that it's good for those pocket experiences, you know. It, it fulfills that, like, handheld and console thing for me all in one. And, like, it just, it does feel so engaging to, like, I don't know. something. It's it's a captivating system for me. Like, I'm in love with the Joy-Cons of it. And, like, they're, like, some of my favorite controllers ever made, you know. Um and I, and I ripped on them when they first came out, too, because they were like, oh, it's HD Rumble, and I was like, oh, that's silly. And then, like, I got it, and I was like, oh, shit, HD Rumble, you know what I mean? Like, I, like that was that was cool as hell, like, when I first experienced it, like, actually work, you know? It, it, it uh, to quote Todd Howard, it just works, you know? I like it, so. The the jump-in, jump-out nature of the Switch really does Yeah, it's it's mean. incredible. Like, it works so well, you know? And everything is just usually, like, just pausable and perfect stand, you know? You could just leave it and come right back. It just, it's magical, you know? <laughs> Anywhere you want. It's beautiful. Any way you want it, that's the way you need it with your Nintendo Switch. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's talk a little bit about, like, when you bought or received your Switch and what your attitude was at that point. Because I was a day one, baby. I went and got it at launch, and I never looked back. I've been hyped the whole time. I'm out here standing for Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it next out of us. Um... I picked it up like a month after launch because of the reviews Zelda was getting. 
Um, you couldn't resist. I could not resist the Breath of the Wild. Um, it was irresistible breath, baby. <laughs> what month did the Switch come out? March. March? March. Okay, so... Yep, 2017. I guess I was a little late to it then, because I got mine, like, first week of December that year, and it was, like, a bundle. Really? I thought you had it way closer to launch. No, I, I didn't... I played it with you a lot beforehand, and that's what, like... I wanted one since I had seen it at your house, but, like, I didn't have the money for a long time, and there wasn't any good deals, so I didn't get one until, like, much later. Actually, it might have been, like, the first week of November, because I remember it was, like, it wasn't um, a Christmas deal or anything like that. Yeah, it was, like, early November I got it. Um, Pretty good deal I got on it, and I was very happy with it, but honestly, the only barrier I had was, like, money, because, like, first week of it i was at your house we were playing games and i was like i'm fucking sold on this thing now so to to experience it was a different story like i remember sitting there with you grabbing the controller and i was just like oh my god these controllers like they're so great like this game it's so great like this is something you can't just sell to someone unless you just hand them one you know i think the best marketing tool for the switch was to just experience it and i'm just like i was really into it after that so I had two moments with my Switch like that, where, like, when I finally had it, I remember Thompson came over, I think, the day it came out, maybe. Yeah, I think so. And we were I, playing some I'm game. I'm pretty sure it was day one. And I like, showed him, I was like, look how, look it, like, when you put it on the dock and when you take it off, it's only a second. It's like, boop, yeah, boop, yeah. <laughs> boop, 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 And I was just doing it, like, over and over again. Yeah, we were just messing around with it. I was like, this is it. incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember that, it might have been that December, um... We had a, a friend of ours who lives in California was in town, so, like, a bunch of our friends had gotten together to, like, play video games or whatever and, like, just shoot the shit. And it was right around the time that ARMS had come out, and I remember, like, we had booted it up, we were playing ARMS, and we had been, like, going, you know, we were playing for, like, a solid hour or so, and uh, a couple of them smoked cigarettes, and they're like, oh, like, let's go, you know, we're going to take a break, let's go smoke a cigarette. And I was like, why would we take a break? With the power of the Nintendo Switch, we can just take it outside with us. And we brought oh it out God. on my front porch, set it up, and just kept fucking playing. And it was like, this is incredible. <laughs> like, this is so fucking cool. Or, like, the day it came out was also the day that Logan came out, uh, the Wolverine movie. And I went to, like, I had been playing Mario Kart, went to the theater, and was like, guys, I brought my Switch. Let's play Mario Kart while we wait for the movie to start. And it was so ridiculous and extra, but I loved it so much. <laughs> Obviously, I, I was the last person to get a Switch on this podcast. I got it during this podcast, during the uh, since we've been doing it. So, um, you know, very late adopter. And, um, again, I only I only got it for one game. Um, and, and obviously since then I've, I've definitely played more games and I've had a lot of fun with it. It's the only console that I can currently play, uh, because of my situation with the PS4. So that's, I mean, it's been there for me during that kind of drought. And, um, you know, I, I obviously really appreciate it for that. And, um, knowing it's Nintendo, right? So like, I know that even if I don't have a lot of games right now, there are going to be games throughout the years that I'm going to care about. And that's pretty cool. Just the knowledge that, like, Metroid Prime 4 is on the horizon and, you know, different things like that. I'm, I'm excited for those things. Pokemon. Oh, yeah, of course, Pokemon. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, with, like, 
I'm on the same way, man. That, that trickle of games is starting to come in. That's why I got back into it, you know? Wargroove was definitely, like, my number one reason for even getting the freaking thing. So I'm glad it's on, and, like, I'm excited to see, like, what else they can wow wow me with, you know? Like, I didn't buy Smash, but it's great. So it's, like, I am i don't have time to play Smash necessarily because I play a lot of other, like, you know, like, RPGs and, like, time consumers. So if I'm going to play Smash, that's with their friends. And that's why I just play with Pete. Thompson, but, like, I'm waiting for those, like... by yourself to get good yeah dude i'm gonna get the new like castlevania game and like that's it i'm playing that thing forever and like that's what i'm saying man those single player grinds are just where i live and smash is a friend game and like if i practiced and owned it you would get crushed i don't own any fighting game and i destroy some of the best players i know and i don't buy these games i play them please play I'm not that great in Smash. That's probably, like, honest to God, that's my only game that I'm, like, like as far as fighting games go. Like, I'm not the greatest at that. I'm talking, like, Pete knows this for sure. Like, one of our friends buys these games, grinds, plays online, everything. I show up every, like, four months, play once, and I'm, like, two rounds in, I'm whooping his ass. You know what I'm saying? Smash, I can't really do that. <laughs> so, that, that, that game's a handicap for me. That's why, if I if I had it, maybe I'd practice it. I mean, back... On the when I the last game I played for Smash though like like really did was like Melee and I was like I was fucking unstoppable like on Melee like damn was I good at that shit <laughs> and I mean Kirby I love Kirby who's not even good yeah well I heard but I thought he was amazing and, and nobody everyone used to be like how the fuck you play Kirby so good I was like Kirby great man he's just amazing he's just awesome <laughs> oh and and um uh, Falco was like my favorite. Get out of here like with that side. Falco shit. <laughs> There's an objectively good character. <laughs> Listen, Falco was a surprise for everyone. Like, every time I'd play him, people would just laugh at me. And then I'd whoop some fucking face in. Man, anyone who's laughing at you didn't know shit about Melee Tears. No, because, like, the thing was, I liked Falco, but, like, I wasn't really good at him. That's why people would laugh at me. <laughs> oh, okay, so you're trash. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't good with Falco. I just liked playing him. Conveniently left that part out. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was really good so, with almost everyone else, though. Falco was the only character I couldn't play for some fucking reason. <laughs> so, uh, while we're talking about Smash, uh, let's talk about some of the highlights when it comes to the software library. Like, what are what are the standout experiences for you on Switch? Sean, you can kick it off, because I know your it list is, is very... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Smash, uh, <laughs> Tetris 99. Hell yeah! yeah. That's something to talk about. Like, there's yeah. only three games I play. It's those two and uh, and Puyo Puyo Tetris, and I really really enjoy them all. Um, I played Breath of the Wild, Mario oh, Kart yeah, as well, I'm right? But I also play Mario Kart uh, almost every week, like a few times a week with my girlfriend, and uh, it's a great game. And I love the fact that like you can use various different controllers. That's pretty cool. Uh, there's no other console that allows you to use this wide of a variety like i have three different kinds of controllers you know that are all different gamecube the joy con you can use the joy cons you can use them like in different ways and then there's also the pro controller so that's pretty cool um yeah those are those are the games that i'm playing right now and like i said i'm sure that list will grow as the system gets a little older for sure hmm. And what about so, you? Most of the same stuff Sean just said. Uh, Tetris 99 has been a real shocker of a standout for me lately. Uh, Smash is great. Mario Odyssey is my favorite 3D Mario game. 
Um, me too. This which also stands out in how hard I've been let down by the things that let me down about it. Octopath Traveler, looking at you. Yeah. I was so convinced that game was going to be fire, and I wanted to like it so bad, and it's like, it's okay. Yeah, I tried so hard it's... to like Octopath Traveler. Hmm. Um, Any other standouts for you? I mean, yeah, Breath of the Wild, can't go wrong with that. It's a, a Stone Cold classic, but... There haven't been a ton of non-Nintendo standouts, like, on the Switch, for my money. What about you, Thompson? So as far as, like, games that I played and beat that I own on the Switch, every single one of them I've got, my library is very tiny for the Switch, has been what you call, like, a, like, like a smash hit, like, you know, like Zelda and fucking, you know, like, like Mario Kart. Like, all the games I have are, like, the core titles that are just, like, you know, good games. So, like, every game I've played on the Switch so far has pretty much been, like, a great experience. Like, I, I can't really say that I have, like, any disappointment with it yet, but I've really only stuck to, like, the mainline titles. You know what I mean? Every other game that I've played, not, like, in full, was something I played with you. So, like, my library is very limited. Um... But I've loved everything I've played on the damn thing, and I think that that's pretty incredible, at least as a console, that I haven't really had anything that was even disappointing. Like, the games that I got all were what I wanted in that game, you know? Those games all did what, like, most other games could have done, and maybe, you know, you could play that same type of game somewhere else, but it was, like, just, for some reason, a really fucking good game on the Switch. And I don't know if it was because of the Switch. A lot of times I have this... Uh, feeling that the game is just awesome because you're playing on the Switch and it's almost like you cannot see faults in it sometimes because, like, I feel like every <laughs> game I've played on the Switch is just great, you know? But, like I said, I haven't played so many games yet that I don't know, you know? And, like, the ports I played were, like, Bayonetta and stuff and, like, I never played them before. Obviously, they came out in the previous generation. I loved playing them on the Switch. I, they felt at home to me there, you know? And, and to me, that was a brand new experience, so... Uh, I'm not counting that as far as, like, the Switch library necessarily because it's a port, but, like, if you want to, that also counts then. It's, like, everything I've played has been awesome to me on this system. So, and, and you know, I didn't play for a while, right? But, like, Wargroove Rock, you know, I'm, I'm playing the damn thing every day again, so we'll see. We'll see what else I can find. I'm going <laughs> to jump back in for a second because I'm embarrassed to have forgotten Golf Story. The highlight of highlights. There you go. Oh, yeah. I never played that, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's spoken so, so highly of it. Is it just like golfing with your dad? It's... Um, and other sad stories? Have you ever played, like, golf on the Game Boy? It's, yeah. It's basically that, but with, like, a charming little story about you wanting oh. to be a professional golfer. Okay. It's, our, it's an RPG. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fantastic golf RPG. If it's not like you know thirty dollars, then I'll probably get it. I think it's, it's like expensive, yeah. But you can get it on sale like all the time. That's a legit exclusive too. That's true. Uh, yeah. So for me, I think obviously, like I'm, I'm probably the the most active user on Switch out of any of us. Like I have a lot of games and. Uh, I'm not going to name all of them because there's been plenty of great experiences, but, like, true standouts for me. Uh, Splatoon 2. I missed out on the original Splatoon on the Wii U uh, because I was poor and <laughs> my internet was bad in college, so it was an easy one to skip. 
But uh, I had a great time with Splatoon 2 with the limited amount of time that I did end up spending with it. Like, I guess not limited. It was, like, over 20 hours. But, you know, I wasn't, like, a diehard or anything. But I loved that game. Uh, Golf Story was a real standout for me as well. ARMS, a game I've sung the praises of more than almost anyone on the internet, I think. <laughs> I think I so. love ARMS. I love ARMS. I thought it was so fun. I got really into the competitive scene for a while. I was, like, a top-ranking player for a minute, like... I was about arms in a real way, and I had a point where I was playing that game every single night, and I could not get enough of it. So I, I'm really, really holding out for a sequel. Um, I agree with Andy about Super Mario Odyssey. I think that's my favorite 3D Mario. Um, I think it might be definitively the best, except for maybe Galaxy or Galaxy 2. Um, every other one of those games is like, they're good, but a lot of the... Like, when people want to go to bat for stuff like 64 or Sunshine, I think nostalgia plays a pretty big role in that. Whereas, like, I think this game is just, like, tight, it's like, top so to bottom. Good. It's it's insanely good. Um, Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle? Real surprise for me how much I enjoyed oh, yeah, that game. game. way more fun than it has any right to be. Yeah, it's a great tactical RPG with a stupid premise, but it's super fun. Uh, Poyo Poyo Tetris, Sean called out before. I've sunk dozens and dozens of hours into that game. I'm going to put it away forever now because of Tetris 99, but uh, I had a lot of fun with it. This is where I played Overcooked for the first time, which is one of my favorite multiplayer games. Uh, Breath of the Wild, bonafide classic. I think it's in the contention or the conversation for best Zelda of all time. I don't know that I'm like comfortable calling that, but it's certainly up there in my mind. Deserves its praises near that level. Yeah, absolutely. My top five. Oh, I mean, there are like, there are so many. <laughs> Zelda franchise is fucking incredible, and I don't mean anything yeah, against like, Breath of the Wild to say that like I don't like it as much as Majora's Mask or Wind Waker. And I don't, I don't think that that's a dig at all. Like you know, like I totally get where you're coming from um, on that one. Uh, and then just a couple other ones to call out. Um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, obviously a phenomenal fucking experience, and it's way better on Switch than it was on Wii U. Uh, Celeste, definitely one of the sharpest indie titles I think I've ever played, and it's been a goddamn blast. Uh, and then I think just, like, rounding it out is games that I have played on other platforms or, like, was interested in other platforms that I never gave proper shrift to or like that i didn't really get into until i was on the switch because of the way that the switch works for me stardew valley number one example of that i put probably 60 hours into stardew valley over the course of the last year after playing it on pc and being like oh my god i love this but i couldn't get into it because i don't like playing games on pc like i don't like playing single player experiences on pc at all and it on switch is like a fucking slam dunk for me and it's, like, similar experiences to that were, like, Downwell, which is a platform I really loved on Vita, and I'm playing again on Switch and liking, you know, even more than I did the first time. Katamari Damacy Reroll, getting to revisit an old classic, like, the Nintendo Switch Online stuff, uh, playing through the Mega Man Legacy Collection. Like, the Switch just has a rock-solid fucking library, and because of the way that I play it and the way that it fits into my lifestyle, it has reopened doors for me for games that I don't know that I ever would have gotten into in the way that I did. So I'm super thankful for it for that. Damn. So, <laughs> yeah, I know you weren't going to list every game, but I know you didn't, and that that's was the only funny like, part. That was only, 
that was not even 25% of the I, games I, I played in and loved on That's Switch. the funny part, man. Like, that list was expansive, and it's like, I'm just sitting here blown away. Like, there are so... Because I played half of those with you, too, and, like, you know, mad shout-outs to them. Like, I didn't fully, like, play them all the way, but, like, they were all killer games, too, you know? Everything I played has been... St- I didn't even mention Kirby, Tom, so we love I, I, Kirby. I know. It's just, what a library. <laughs> what a library. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think just before we get out of here... My the last kind of thing I want to touch on is what are you most excited for coming moving forward with the Switch? Like any specific titles or like functionality that you want to see or like what what are you looking to get out of, you know, the next couple of years with your Nintendo Switch? I guess I in addition to the obvious like the games that, you know, everyone's going to get, you know, that there's no reason to bring up. Uh I'm hopeful that the Switch turns me into a gamer who's more willing to accept indie titles. Uh, I've Yes, it that's will. the best goal I've ever heard. It will do that for you. I have never really... I don't think I've ever purchased an indie game. Um, oh, that hurts my heart. Yeah, I don't think I ever have. And, you know, I still haven't seen that game that's going to do it, necessarily. But one thing about the Switch that I did like is one day I was trying to figure out, like, what to play. And, you know, my girlfriend and I were just looking through, and there were so many games that weren't, you know, Mario or whoever else. They were just, like, indie games. And some of them looked pretty cool. So, um, you know, maybe in time it'll be this console and the right game that will turn me on to that. And I really hope that happens. I could definitely see that being the case. I I want to say, man, if you let the switch into your heart, it will bring it joy. <laughs> and and I believe in a world where you play indie games and you enjoy them, and there there is one there for you already, probably in the library. If you'll if you'll just let it in, you're probably right. I feel like you'd like Wargroove. You were interested in it when we I, talked about it. I think it. you would really like it, actually. Yeah. That's that's a solid picture. Yeah, I, I liked um like Advance Wars and stuff like that. You're just, Perfect, and it's man. your game, trust me. Just go for it. <laughs> Take the plunge. I might. Man, I'll I'll like Venmo you the money to buy it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really do think that the Switch is like a perfect indie machine. It's such a good platform for for like those more bite sized experiences. So, uh, what about you, Andy? Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to Fire Emblem. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, honestly, Pokemon, um, but I don't need to talk about that as much. Uh, what I want most from the Switch, though, is I want to see better, like, support for Nintendo's history. Like, give me that virtual console, uh, that's been rumored forever, those GameCube titles, or the Super Nintendo titles they data mined from the Nintendo, uh, the NES online stuff. Right. Like, let me see that stuff because Nintendo is killing it with the switch, but it's got all this history and I want to see them leverage that too. I think that's the only gap they have right now is like, man, like this is the only Nintendo console since there's been online where I can't buy all those games. It's like, just do it, man. And if you're going to do it with the Netflix style, like the NES thing, like that's cool. But like, give me more. Hmm. What about you, Thompson? So what I'm most excited for 
besides just the games that have yet to be announced or who knows what about what games um really just you know when you get into a cycle of a system and you get mid to late tier and they start to really explore how well that system can run and start games look start feeling at home you know it's been a couple years on the system and you start getting those real like quality games the real they've already been making those games on like the first year you know what i'm saying it's (laughs) so like i'm excited for that kind of shit where it's like we're four years in and developers are like just killing it you know like there is because they already are so i can't imagine them really like fucking up in the future you know what i'm saying this has been like what you said earlier a phoenix rising of the ashes kind of like it's it's been a really awesome thing to see and i'm just excited to see like when they have like the second version of the switch and like there's more power behind it and it's been a few more years and like we're at that point where it's already proven itself now and it's even more proven in a couple years with better tech and just hopefully a more thriving industry because it's like pioneering a lot of shit you know and it seems to be doing well for itself now so i just really want to see like really what they're gonna do next with it or like how they're gonna like you made it we made a joke earlier about it being like two screens and everything but like who the fuck knows man it might make some kind of crazy they're crazy kind of crazy thing for it who knows you know i'm thinking of like the old uh game boy the, the brick when you used to have like that fucking magnifier over and shit you know There's, i'm waiting for like the weird <laughs> shit to come out you know like the, the crazy peripherals for the switch 2.0 that's got like you know oh you mean like like the labo that's not enough weird shit for you or nintendo sold you a cardboard box this is what i'm saying we're making cardboard shit two years in imagine two years from now they're gonna be giving you <laughs> fucking haystacks and telling you to make you know artwork out of it or some shit they're sending me pvc pipes and calling them video right. games i mean I'm just excited to see where they go with this thing, because it's plotting its own course almost, but it's crazy, man. It's been a fun ride so far, so just for the future, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for me, I am most excited about the hardware. Like you mentioned, I, I really want to see it, whatever the like next Switch is going to be, because I'm going to buy it. Uh, I'm all in on the Switch. I love this ecosystem, and I am really excited to see their next new IP. Like, whatever the next ARMS is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Hell yeah. Because it's been so long since we've seen, like, a new core Nintendo franchise. It's, you know, like, uh, Splatoon and ARMS are, like, the two new things. Um, but, like, before that, the last, like, single-player thing was, like, what? Pikmin? So, I I really love to see something fresh from some of the younger talent that's at Nintendo that they've been cultivating over the last couple of years who've been working on our Mario's and our Zelda's and all these other things. Like I want to see the next Sakurai, you know, or the next Inuma, like somebody who's like a lead at Nintendo that has vision for what the future of the company looks the like, next you know, and what the future <laughs> of the brand looks like. Cause those are the, those are always the most exciting things. The things that we don't know about the things that we can't know about, you know, well with, uh, Reggie's replacement and everything. Who knows, man? The future is bright and crazy. Doug Bowser going to bring us into a new era at (laughs) Nintendo. I have faith in him. All right. Yeah, me too, man. I think I have faith in Nintendo. They're in a good spot right now, and um, I'm I'm happy to see them succeeding. So I'm, I'm ready for what comes next. 
But uh, if you want to let us know what you're thinking about the Nintendo Switch two years in, do you have it? Do you not have it? Why or why not? Let us know. Uh, you can hit us up at the video game pals at gmail.com. Get us in those comments down below, uh, or you know, hit us up at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold, and connect with us about uh, about what you're thinking about this or any other story we talked about this week. And, uh, you know, if you want to help the show, remember you can give us a like on your platform of choice. Uh, jump over to iTunes and give us one of those sweet five-star reviews. Uh, like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel, all that stuff. You know how to do the internet things at this point in the game. So, before we bounce out of here, let's do some plugs, Sean. All right, so, uh, as mentioned, the Comics Pals is a show. Over there, we talked about the latest trailer for Dark Phoenix and, uh, whether or not mm. that movie is going to be any good. And all signs point to no. Uh, we also reviewed Heroes in Crisis number 6, which resulted in another uh, Comics Pals uh, war. A war of the pals, if you will. And uh, I killed Phil. Phil is now dead. Uh, and I sit upon the Iron Throne. So <laughs> go check that out. It was a fun <laughs> this is a very fun episode, and if you want to get me on social media, I am on Twitter and Instagram only, at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about how awesome Super Smash Brothers still is. Andy? So I didn't kill Phil, but you can find me over on Twitter at Tiger underscore Millions. We can talk about how great that Detective Pikachu trailer was, and how much better it's going to be than Dark Phoenix. Well, you're pro- probably <laughs> Wow. Thompson. <laughs> you can find me over on Twitter at Relic Vampire. And, uh, you know, hit me up for some Man the Guns Hearts of Iron bullshit because that DLC came out and my life is forfeit again. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, 13 hours, 1300 hours wasn't enough and uh, I, I, I'm lost. So, so yeah, let's let's fight in that game. I'm a shell of where... a man. Contact me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> shell of a man. It's all about uh, naval combat update, too, with, like, shells and shit. So, good. Good one. <laughs> Thank you. Ha! Pirates! What? So, if you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. You can catch me on the Comics Pals with Sean. Uh, make sure you go check out our latest book club over at the Comics Pals. We got one on Captain Marvel coming out this Friday. So, uh, now's your chance to read the second volume of Kelly Sue DeConnick's run. Go check it out and uh, get ready for the movie, which is also dropping this week. going to be a fun time. We'll be doing a review. It's going to be good stuff. And uh, if you want to get some more content from me, you can find my uh, work over at loopots.com, uh, which is a Nintendo website. So I'm doing like articles and reviews, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was involved in a video where we did a little bit of map analysis on uh, the Pokemon region of Galar. So uh, if you want to go check that out and see some of the uh, predictions that I had a hand in crafting about some of the gym locations and all that kind of stuff, it was pretty cool. Uh, so go give that a look. And then um, I'm going to remember to plug this thing that I've uh, been having Andy do the last couple weeks where uh, I am currently attempting to uh, win a little competition where a content creator is being flown out to San Francisco to make content with my favorite content creators, Kind of Funny and Kind of Funny Games. So if you want to show your support and help me live a dream of mine, uh, you can head over to at Kind of Funny Vids on Twitter. It's their pinned tweet. You fill out a little form, recommend me for the, 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 uh, the trip, and explain why you like what I do and why you like our shows or whatever. Um, and uh, I would really greatly appreciate it. If you feel as though I'm deserving and you want to show your support, that would really be great. And uh, it would mean a lot to me. 
So with that, we are the Video Game Pals signing off. I am Maddie. Bye.